Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. So to have Christ 
is to have what was created by him and for him. So to have him is to have what he created. But we want, and we've been tricked and manipulated to go after his creation. Notice what the Bible says, if you will, uh, in the word of the Lord. Uh, I, I like this particular verse of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Now, this is, this is Paul. Now, Paul, this became a, rebel, uh, uh, um, a reality to him that Christ meant more to him than anything. Christ meant more to him than silver and gold, housing and land, more than anything. Christ was his portion. And one of the things that I want you to take a look at, that Christ never complained. Not, not, excuse me, not Christ, Paul. Paul never complained. Paul, Christ never complained either. Paul never murmured, never grumbled. But Paul uh, went through uh, tremendous tests and trials and tribulation, greater than anybody I've seen in the Bible besides Jesus. Well, those 12 boy, uh, disciples, too, besides uh, Judas, uh, Peter was uh, crucified upside down. But the things that Paul went through before he died, uh, he died a horrible death as well. But the majority of his saved life was uh, tremendous persecution, tremendous trial. Now, when we begin to look at Paul's life and compare to our life, why do we doubt uh, when we go through little bit of challenges? But we don't see this with this man. We don't see this man quitting on God, giving up on God. We don't see him doubting. We don't see him complaining. We don't see him mumbling. We don't see him grumbling. We see him one time in the book of Philippians where he asked God to take this thorn away that was given to him, thorn in his flesh. And those of us that know what the Bible says, we see in the word of the Lord that he, after he got the revelation, why, why he was going through what he was going through. Paul, this is not Satan. Paul, this is me. Now, I have given you this thorn in your flesh because of the abundance of the revelation that I have given you. Now, this is, this is, this is real good. Matter of fact, let's go over to that scripture, if you will, and uh, look at something. Uh, I want to come to Hebrews a little later, uh, the, uh, the faith chapter. I want to look at something in, in the areas of uh, faith. But I want to go to Philippians and uh, uh, look at some things. I think it's Philippians 3. Yeah. Philippians 3. Excuse me. I want you to look at this man's attitude. I want you to look at his disposition. Uh, I mean, this man was sold out for God. Let's see where's where I want to go here. Let's start, if you will. Let's start at verse seven uh, in the book of Philippians, chapter three. Philippians chapter three. Let's look at this, if you will. Notice what he says here. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. I want to get it in the. Uh, Amplified version, and 
Uh, I really like the Amplified Version of the New Testament, and one of the main reasons I like it in the New Testament is is because uh, it's in, it's really already broken down in the Greek. When you uh, look up certain words in the original language, it's already spelled out in the verse. That's what I like about uh, the Amplified, so I don't have to go to the Greek because the base is already spelled out. I, I still do that. I still uh, study and research and define words. I, I love defining words and looking at words. Uh, uh, it, it really brings illumination to uh, your mentality when you're studying, the, uh, reading the word of the Lord. So let's look at it in the Amplified Version, if you will, starting at verse 7. But whatever form of things I had that I might have been gain, that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ. Now, he's, he's, he's comparing after he had an encounter with Jesus. This is why it's so important uh, that we have an encounter with Jesus. Our flesh is so manipulative. It lies to us. It'll do anything. It would do anything not to die. It'll do anything not to go to the cross. It will do spiritual things just to manipulate you for you not to experience the cross, our flesh. You are no match to the flesh. I am no match to our flesh. It is satanic, demonic, and it cannot please God. Cannot please God. And the manipulation is to protect it, to value it, to look at it as precious. The very thing that God is requiring to go to the cross, we count precious. But notice in Philippians chapter 3 here in verse 7, Paul really had experienced a level of major success before he encountered Jesus. But after he encountered Jesus, his value system changed. This should let us see something. I personally believe that a lot of us that has accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have never encountered him, have never experienced him. That is why we, I personally believe that we still value earthly things more than we do heavenly things because we have not experienced salvation. We have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but to experience salvation. This man experienced salvation. So this should show us something. Look, look at after he had encountered Jesus, look at his disposition, look at his attitude. Notice what he says here once again, verse 7. But whatever form of things I had that might have been gains to me, form of things. Is there any form of things that you look back on and you still value? Is there form of things that you look back on, like the children of Israel? Man, I wish we had. We can go back to Egypt. Man, we had it better than Egypt. It, have you ever had that attitude? Yeah, you really have not encountered Jesus. You have not experienced salvation. It's almost impossible for you to experience salvation. Now, we can receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but to experience him as our Savior, to experience him as our Lord, is two different things, ladies and gentlemen. Two different things. Because of what has been accepted in the church, has been accepted in the church. That's us pastors. I'm talking about me, all of all of the uh, the government authorities. All you got to see Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's it. Boom. We have not experienced Him, nor encountered Him. So He says, the things I, I consider gains, all that I, I experienced before I got received Jesus Christ. He's I count loss for Christ's sake. Verse eight. 
Yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving, perceiving, ladies and gentlemen, and recognizing and understanding him, not his word, him, more fully and clearly for his sake, for his sake, for his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuge, dreads, in order that I might win, gain Christ, the anointed one. Wow. Wow. Did you hear that? This is, this is a man that has encountered Jesus. You ever heard those saying that when you ever taste the real, it's easy to recognize the false? If you ever worked in a bank and 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 um, dealing with money as a tailor, what you're handling real money, handling, 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 you know what it looked like, you know what it feel like when you handle the real for such a length of time. You begin, you become your sensitive to the real. And once you touch the false, whoa, something was wrong with that bill. Stop. You stop. Without even looking at it, because you handle the real for so long, you're able to know the false. Is it possible that we're easily deceived because we have never encountered the real? You say, how could that be? I have him. Is it possible you can have something but never experience what you have? You can you can have a steak. You can go to the store and buy a steak. Just say you never ate steak before, but you went and bought a steak. You have it, but if, if the steak has not been prepared, cooked well, seasoned well, and once you taste it, then it's, it's going to be a difference. You have experienced the steak. You have encountered the steak. But to have it and never cook it and eat it, it's two different things. I can have Christ but never taste him. Oh, taste and see how good the Lord is. You know we call tasting and seeing? Reading our Bibles, praying scripture, quoting scripture, confessing scripture. But we haven't tasted him. I believe because a lot of us are afraid. Because to taste him... It's usually is in a situation that he's requiring you and I to be in for us to encounter him. When think about it, when do you normally, normally, ladies, I'm saying normally, normally eat when you're hungry. You normally eat something when you're hungry. So therefore, therefore, listen, listen. So. When you eat, you're satisfied. So if you have ever, ever encountered him, experienced him, that desire, that, that taste will never leave you. 
once, if you never ate steak before, and you ate a piece of steak, and you like that steak, it'll never leave you. The majority of people I know like fried chicken, have eaten fried chicken. We was raised up on fried chicken. Fried chicken, I haven't ate fried chicken over 30 years, but I still can remember what fried chicken tastes like, and I haven't ate it in 30 years. I was raised up on it. I haven't ate bacon in over 30 years, but I can remember what bacon tastes like because I was raised up on it. Even though I have not eaten steak, fried chicken, pork chops in over 30 years, but I still remember. It's coming to my mind now if I'm talking to you what it tastes like. But I haven't had it, but I haven't had it in 30 years. Now watch this right here. When you taste Jesus, when you encounter him, when you experience him, is you will never forget it. You'll never forget it. Paul encountered him. Paul experienced him. And 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 watch it right here. And his choice. Once he encountered Jesus, Jesus is the reality. Once you encounter the reality, everything else becomes false. You know that you've been living and experienced the false. You know that you have been uh, have experienced the shadow. But you have when you encounter the reality, and I think that is one of the problems with the majority of us in the body of Christ. We have uh, received Him, but have not experienced Him. That's why we so easily quit and give up. We're so easily frustrated and aggravated because everything else is real. What the boss said is more real. What the spouse said is more real. What the children said and is doing is more real. Your bank account is more real. Uh, the like of it. All is more real than him. Now why? Because if you and I ever encounter him, then I personally believe there will be no anxiety, there will be no worry, there will be no frustration, aggravation, because he really is, has become your sufficiency. He's he really has become your more than enough. He really has become your adequacy. Christ, not things, stuff. When Jesus was tempted and tempted in the uh, wilderness of temptation, the devil came to him and tried to, after the 40 days of temptation, listen, turn the bread into stone. He said, man, should not live by bread alone, but everywhere that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's too late said, I have tasted the Father. I have tasted how good the Father really is. And I've hunger for him more than I do for food. I hunger for him. He's my satisfaction. Remember, uh, Jesus worked a miracle in John chapter 6. He worked a miracle, the feeding of the, uh, uh, the, feeding of the, uh, the thousands, and uh, they followed him. And the Bible says they followed him because of the bread and the fish. 
Jesus said, you don't follow me because of the miracle. You follow me because of the food. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. This is man is a lunatic. He's crazy. What's wrong with him? Eat his flesh, drink his blood. And the Bible said they left him. All of them turned around and left him. Then he turned to the twelve and said, will you leave too? And Peter's response says, where should we go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. So Paul, we see, is a man of God that has encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. He had an encounter with him. Should not be our cry that we have an encounter with him. Are we satisfied with, uh, do we call our encounter reading the Bible? Praying. We satisfied with that because that has become the standard. That's become the standard. And what you think you're going to lead other people into, what is your standard? Reading. Praying. You cannot lead people to encounter if you never encounter him. Let's continue to read. Christ is our all in all, ladies and gentlemen. God made him that, but it's up to you and I to partake of it. Let's go to verse 9, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Notice what he says, and that I might actually be found and known as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness, that can be called my own based on my obedience to the Lord's demands, ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. But possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ the anointed one, the truly right standing, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. But I tell you, this thing is so powerful. When you get a chance, I want you to go back to Philippians chapter 3 and read the whole chapter to show us this salvation thing, ladies and gentlemen, if we look at our life in the light of the New Testament change, the book of Acts, saints, that should let us know something got to be wrong. We have made Christianity, spirituality, we have, we have lowered its standards to humanism. We we, there's no difference in what we do in our church services that, that, than the professor does in a college uh, uh, um, a lecture setting. And he was a good teacher. And he was a good teacher. The emphasis on teaching. The emphasis on preaching. The emphasis is not on the revelation of Christ. How many of us that have joined this broadcast can actually say that 
I have presented Christ to people. Now, don't let say presented Christ to people. And I didn't say give them a scripture. Presented Christ to people. The only way I can present Christ to anyone is because Christ has been presented to me. I'm not saying giving somebody a salvation scripture. I'm talking about a living Christ. A living Christ. Have you had an encounter with a living Christ? Or have you had only had an encounter with a church service? A church service. Now, do, do, do you understand what Paul just said in verse 9? Now, let's break this down. And that I might actually be found and known as in him. That when I'm found, I want it to be known, I want to be found in Christ. Anyone encounter me, Father, grace me to be acknowledged as a man that is in Christ. Watch it right here. Love it. Not having any self-achieved righteousness. I don't want to be found that look what I have accomplished. Look at my prayer life. Look at my study life. Look at my, uh, uh, my discipline life. Look at my love life. Look at my peace life. Look at my joy life. Look at... No, 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 no. No, I don't want to have been found in my self-achieved righteousness. Well, EJ fasts three times a week. Are they associating my fasting with my righteousness? Well, EJ McKenzie is a man of discipline. Are they associating my discipline with EJ McKenzie? Self-righteousness. You see how this flesh, it loves to be seen. It loves to take credit. It loves praises. But Paul says, and that I might actually be found and known as in him. The only way that can be is because of me not having any self-achieved righteousness. That can be called my own. That can be called my own. That can be called my own. Any righteousness that can be called my own. I get up at four and pray, three to pray, one to pray, six to pray, 5.30 to pray, eight to pray, nine, whatever. Not having any self-achieved Righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. I did this to acquire my righteousness with God. I fast. I pray. I'm kind to people. Ladies and gentlemen, the flesh can do all of those things. 
to exalt his own righteousness. Are you seeing this? But he goes on to say, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ. Righteousness that comes how? Through faith in Christ. Righteousness that comes how? Through faith in Christ. That everything I do, if I get up and fast, I'm fasting through faith in Christ. If I study, I'm studying through faith in Christ. And anything I gain from my fasting, anything I gain from my study, I get it from Christ. I've gained it from Christ. Not because I was right. Not because I was holy. Not because, no, no, I got it from Christ. Then Christ can get glory. Christ can get honor. But it's faith. That it may be by grace. Are you getting this? Verse 10. For my determined purpose is that I might know him. Ladies and gentlemen, I exist for one reason and one reason only that I may continue to know him. I live for Christ. I die for Christ. It's Christ. Are you living for Christ? Or are you living for success? For somebody to praise you. For somebody to acknowledge you. Do you see how ungodly our systems is? Even how ungodly our marriages is, how ungodly our families is. Why did we get married? So I can say I'm married. I got many girlfriends that I went to school with. They're still not even married. But thank God I'm married. Did you marry as unto the Lord? Do you value your marriage? Do you value your spouse? That you can fulfill the purpose of God? Or is it to make you look good? Do, do we, are we looking at seeing this, ladies and gentlemen? It's Christ. Paul says here, for my determined purpose is that I might know him that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I might in that same way come to know the power overflowing from him, uh, from his uh, resurrection which is exerted over believers, and that I might, that I may, excuse me, that I may so share his sufferings as to be, or that, uh, no, we don't, want, we don't want to hear that one. And that's the beautiful part about we don't, we don't get the very thing we forfeit is the very thing that's going to grace us to experience it. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death in the hope that, verse 11, that if possible, I may obtain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me 
out from among the dead, even while in this body. Woo, that's powerful. Do you understand what he just said? Paul said, I believe that while I'm in this physical body, I can experience the resurrection when the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. I can experience that while I'm living in this body. But I can never experience resurrection if I'm not willing to experience death while in this body. Glory to God. That's awesome. That's powerful. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, I really believe with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength that God has been trying to get you and I to experience the supernatural. It has been such a formality. Almost everything become a formality. Almost everything can become poetic. We say all the right stuff. I look at Panorama, man. We got some stuff, man. God has spoken to us uh, prophetically, man. We don't put it in prayers. We got it in poems. And we put it in song. We put it, but in everything, everything we're experiencing it, and we're satisfied praying it. We're satisfied singing it. We're satisfied quoting it. We're satisfied all of that. Put it in all formats, all kinds of forms. But we'll fail to live it. We're afraid to live it. And when there's a demand to live it, we shrink back. We shrink back. Due season, set time, uh, 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 sudden, divine sudden leaves, uh, all that. Then my question to all of us. That God has spoken some powerful things over our lives and over our marriages and over our children, over our ministries, over our destiny, over our purpose. We all these wonderful things that God has spoken to us. All these wonderful things. Due seasons, that time, divine suddenlies, uh, 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 you name it. He said it. Now, how much of that have you experienced? How much of that have you allowed the Holy Spirit? to bring you into the reality of any of those things. Because you want to know something? There can never be a reality of none of those things that we quote and we, 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 we sing without experiencing 11 measure of death. 11 measure of death, and we're afraid to die. We're satisfied with singing it. We're satisfied with quoting it. We're satisfied with uh, 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 praying it, warring with it, and battling it. Battling with it, but we're afraid to encounter and experience it. You know why? Because it requires death. Except for a corn of wheat, fall into the ground, and what? Die. It abides alone. But if it dies, what's going to happen? It's going to bring forth much fruit. So are you seeing the see see? We, we cannot get around it. This is what Paul talking about there. Paul died to one dimension of his life that he may experience uh, life in another dimension. While he's still in his physical body, he's requiring that of you. You will never gain until you're willing to lose. You will never gain until you're willing to give up. And the thing that you refuse to give up, 
not your house, not your car, not your, you. And until that takes place, you and I will never be able to have dominion over a thing until you and I are willing to lose the thing. I did a message years ago called the law of transition, the law of transition. In that particular message on the law of transition, we bring out principles that everything in life go through transition. Everything goes through transition. But what happens, because we don't understand the process of transition, we fight it. And if everything that you and I fight, because we don't understand it, when I say you and I, I'm putting myself included in there because I've experienced it before, fighting God, not realize I'm fighting God, or fighting a blessing, not realize I'm fighting a blessing, God is taking you through a transition because he's trying to promote you, but I'm fighting the very promotion. I don't realize I'm fighting the promotion. I'm fighting the raise. I'm fighting the elevation. And the reason we fight it is because um, we don't understand the process uh, uh, the process of God to take us through to be able to get the promotion, the raise, the elevation that he's trying to bring us to. God is not taking you through things just to take you through if he ain't got nothing else to do. But in the kingdom of God, elevation is different than in this world. Promotion is different than in this world. Increase is different than in this world. What we desire to do uh, we want to bring the, the principles of the world into the kingdom. They won't work in the kingdom. The way up in the kingdom is down. The way you gain life in the kingdom is dying. So God has been, God is really trying to position you to gain. But what we do, we're afraid. We're afraid for that prophetic word that's been spoken over my life, your life. We're afraid for it to come to pass. We want it to come to pass, but we're afraid for it to go through the process for it to come to pass. That's the, that's the more accurate word. And the process of your prophetic word coming to pass, it's got to die. But where is it going to die? In you. In me. The word that's been spoken of your life, ladies and gentlemen, it's designed to enter into you. But that word in you must find a place of death. It's got to die. In you, in me. How does a seed die? Once it's sold into the ground, the soil, the temperature, it beats upon the shell, beats upon the shell until the shell cracks. Once the shell cracks, the shell dies. But when the shell dies, that means the life in the shell is released in an atmosphere that is conducive for growth. If a seed cracks open, you crack a seed open outside of its environment for growth, which is the ground, what happens? That seed, the life in the seed is released, but you will never see nothing come from the, from the life or the seed, the shell. Nothing will come from it. But if you sow that seed into the ground, the right environment, which is the earth, and it dies in the earth, then the earth will bring the life of that seed to the surface. It will bring it to the surface. What happened? That seed went through transition. It went through what? Transition. 
it experienced a metamorphosis. It changed from one kind of a structure to another kind of a structure. The seed, we sow the seed, we plant it into the ground, but a plant came up. It experienced transition. And all everything must go through transition. And all transition is moving from one state to another state. That means it's got to come to, to the end of one point in order for it to go to another point or another stage. Everything goes through transition. So in order to experience life, you can never experience life until you experience death. But we're afraid to experience death. That's like a lot of us, we don't like losing nothing. We don't like giving up nothing. So what God does, because he knows how you are and you're afraid, he will cause something to happen for you to lose something. For him, to very, for him to get to you, what do you want to get to you? But he can't get it to you because you're afraid to lose. I used to be like that. When I first got married, married, I want to pay these bills off. I want to get all rid of all these bills, and, and I'm not going to get another car. I remember a uh, 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 little piece of car. Uh, with a little piece because it was brand new when Kathy bought it, uh, her first car. And when we got married, she still had this little this little Toyota uh, hatchback, you know, a yellow Toyota, and painted brown. And I tried to do everything I can to keep that thing uh, going, uh, 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 keep it going, keep it going, because I didn't want to buy no another car, I didn't want another bill. But God seems to always had something to happen to that car. Had to end up getting rid of the car in order to get the car. See, God can never, he couldn't get something new to me because I wasn't willing to give up the old. Everything works that way. I wasn't willing to give up the old to get the new. I want to hold on to the old because it's paid off. And a majority of people think that way. And God is trying to progress you, but he can't progress you because you want to hold on to the old. You still want to hold on to that 1922 car and, and trying to, because it's paid for. And God said, I'm trying to get you a 2013, but no, I don't want no bills. Because you don't have faith. You don't believe that God can give you a 2013 either paid off or give you a better job that you have so you can make the payments. Transition. Transition. We want to hold on to the old. We want to hold on to the Watch this right here. Watch this right here. Watch this. You want to hold on to the old memories that you, how it was when you first got married. Now you've been married 25 years. You've been married 15 years. And now you say, but you, you, you're not the same. You know, I remember when we first got married. Wait a minute. You're 15 years into the marriage now. Why are you still holding on to the honeymoon? Everything done changed. You listen, listen. You're not the same. He's not the same because you got children now. Something else to come on, come on the scene, so it requires change. We don't like transition, and bottom line, we don't like to grow. We don't want to grow. Cause to 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 grow, you gotta die. It's impossible to grow. To experience growth without experiencing death is impossible. It's impossible. Everything is progressing. That is the law of God for you and I to progress. So what happened even in relationship, now, you remember when you was engaged? That's one 
level of relationship. You get married. That's another level of relationship. Have children. That's another level of relationship. Everything is progressing. Everything is progressing. But the problem is we don't mature. Chronologically, we are growing, but uh, intellectually, we are not growing. Spiritually, we're not growing. Emotionally, we're not growing. We're staying the same way it was when you was engaged. But you have not grown internally from that point of time until now, 15 years into to marriage. And, and God is taking you through many transitions, but you didn't go with God. You're still holding on to how things used to be when you was engaged. And you are dead. Here you are 15 years into the marriage, but you, are not, you have not changed. Even though the marriage has changed, you have not caught up with the marriage. Transition, the Lord transition. So, same thing. We get received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have not grown. Received him 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago and still have not grown. We received him but not experienced him, encountered him. Because to experience him and to encounter him, it requires something. He puts you in a situation to experience, but we fight him because we don't recognize him. We don't understand it. We don't understand this situation. Think about it. the first thing. Where the where the first place that the spirit uh, that God led Moses and the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt? Where was the first place He led them into the wilderness? Where the first test built of waters? Transition to get them not to focus on themselves, to die to themselves, that they will believe and trust that God was their source. God was their provider. God was their, uh, 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 their water to drink. God was their food to eat. God was their uh, 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 shade by day and fire by night. This is what's trying to get us to go, transition. And Paul encountered him, and he experienced a transition. He went through hell, ladies and gentlemen, back and forth, but his faith and his trust was in the God. That called him. His faith was in Christ. So when we begin to understand, ladies and gentlemen, there could never be, there could never be progress without death. Never be progress without death. Some people are still holding on to how things was five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, and not understand that God is requiring something different today. When you begin to understand the laws of transition, transition usually comes to an end to one point in order for you to go to another point. So you die to one phase, so you experience life in another phase. But what happens is this right here. See, the reason many people do not go to the next phase in God, that's, that's, that's spiritually, relational, economically, in anything. The reason we don't go to the next stage is because we're holding on. We're holding on to what you did experience um, in the former stage and not realizing and understand there's something better than this stage. There's something better. But you say, I can't see, I can't comprehend that. The reason you can't comprehend it nor perceive it because you're still holding on and you're not refused to let go. You refuse to let go for God to take you to the next dimension, for you to progress. In him. But all transition requires death. Death at one stage in order to go to the next stage. 
But what happens is uh, the reason God can't take many to the next stage is because they want to go to the next stage with the old. If you go to the next stage with the old, you're going to contaminate the old. Uh, contaminate the new, excuse me. You will contaminate the new. So what God does, he takes us to a stage, and that stage is designed to purge us. Wilderness is designed to purge us from trusting in anything of ourselves and anything of the past. And the reason what makes transition so hard is because transition really is stepping out into the unknown. We like to be in control. And God is not, is not in the business allowing you, me, and anybody else to control him. It's a stepping out. It's a stepping out. It is a stepping out. A stepping out into the unknown, and that's what makes transition difficult. Because we like to know what's going to happen next before we step out. And it don't work that way. It don't work that way. So there's no trust. When there's no trust, you have nothing. You have absolutely nothing. I put a question to someone the other uh, 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 day about, I gave them a scenario, and, and this is going to be good, good what I'm about to say here, because this is where we don't understand transition in relationship. Now, let me put this question to you. If you, first of all, I'm not sure, do God trust you? The majority of my radio audience is going to probably say, yeah, I believe that God trusts me. Do God trust you? Well, God trusts me. So I'm going to ask you a question. If you, if you did something, you violated your relationship with God, and you asked God to forgive you, and God forgive you, do that mean God can trust you? You're going to say, yeah, God can trust me. Well, what's the evidence? Well, he forgave me. You know, I said forgive me, he forgave me, so he, he should be able to trust me. And that's where we make our mistakes, because there's a distinction between trust and forgiveness. Trust and forgiveness are two different things. Trust is something that is earned through a consistent process, a continuation of a thing. So you have to prove yourself to be trustworthy. That's all of us. It's a difference. But what happened is, we want people to entrust us the same way we were before we violated. That's what we want. God don't operate that way, but we want one another to operate that way. And which reveals you still, still the selfish. You don't trust God. You don't trust God yourself. You see, see, you want everything to be the same way it was like I never done anything. You say, but if he gets forgave me, this I'm cleansed, I'm washed from all I'm right. Yes, you are. Only thing forgiveness does put you back in right relationship. It puts you back in right relationship. It don't put you it does not put you back in the same path. The same order. You gotta understand that. It calls setbacks. 
but I believe you can you can catch up, you can gain, you can you can even uh, uh, surpass where you're supposed to be. But it that'll never happen until you get your eyes off yourself. And I trust you with the outcome. I trust you with the outcome, God. Are you getting this? This is how it worked, ladies and gentlemen. Paul, Paul encountered the Lord. And in his encounter, he experienced transition. In his encounter, he experienced transition. He was willing to give up the old that he might embrace the new, and the new was Christ. But until you have an encounter with the real, you will always be manipulating the seed by the old. Or oh, we say the right thing. And that used to be one of, one of the strengths of the prophetic words that used to be articulated uh, 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 from Panorama, different ones. God has God called you from the old into the new. That's good. Have you come out of the old? Have we come out of the old into the new? Have you personally yourself come out of the old into the new? Have you personally experienced transition? Have you personally encountered Jesus? That he's more real to you and more valuable to you than yourself? Or do you still protect yourself? Do you still put demands on your own righteousness? One of the words, I mean, my wife had a discussion uh, not too long ago, and, and, and we, uh, she was sharing me, she had forgot about this word one of uh, our spiritual daughters had. Uh, 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 talking to her one time and and actually why she felt the sermon of the way and she used in the spirit nobody but the spirit of God and the word came out of her mouth entitlement. When we feel entitled, that's self righteousness. And you know why we feel entitled? Because we believe that we've done some good and we won't pay back. Entitlement. Paul, when he encountered Jesus here, we see in the, uh, his heart and his mind in Philippians chapter 3 there, there's no entitlement. I don't want to be found in my own righteousness. That's what self-righteousness is. You're so blinded to yourself, and you feel like, I deserve this. I want this, and I deserve it. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ is your sufficiency. Christ is your sufficiency, not your spouse, not your boss, not your job. Christ is your sufficiency. Are you getting this? Listen, we got to see this thing. We got to see this thing in relationship in the light of the word of the Lord. Is Christ more valuable and important to me than anything and anyone? Sometimes I begin to look at my family. Seeing these kind of things. Sometimes I think it's kind of difficult because my children wasn't raised up uh, experiencing hard times like I did. So they can hear me say this all the time, but what has been provided to them every day, they can't comprehend it. It's easy. Then I can say, do you value Christ more than anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, I value Christ more. But they have not been in a position to prove that. They haven't been in a position. To prove that you value him more than anything. And how do you know you value Christ more than anything? When, when the things that God has given you is taken away from you. 
when God touched the things he gave you, when God touched the things he blessed you, that's going to reveal if I value him, I trust him more than life itself, more than the gifts that he's given unto me. Do I value him? Have God touched anything that has caused you to be stirred up? Have God touched anything in your life of uh, an appear that is going to be taken away from you and you begin to uh, cry out to God, you begin to fall on your face and say, God, God, help me. God, God, don't, 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 don't take this away. God, don't take Have you done that? When God touched your stuff, that's when it's going to re- really reveal that you're loving more than life itself. To me, ladies and gentlemen, to me, the most beautiful illustration, and I shared this a couple of weeks ago, the most beautiful illustration is this Job. He valued God more than his possessions, more than his children, more than his reputation. That's a, that's a big one there, that reputation thing. He valued God. And the very thing that you and I value, let, trust me, I've experienced it. He's going to touch it. He's going to touch it. If you value looking good in the eyes of men because you're married, he's going to touch your marriage. If you value looking good in the eyes of people because of your family, your children, he's going to touch your children. And I'm going to tell you what people are going to say. Uh, yeah, you, you, you exalted Miss So-and-so, Miss Susie, and Mr. Johnny there. Look at them now. You've been bringing, telling us all about him and this and she's this, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you, human nature, something else, ladies and gentlemen, everybody ain't happy for you. Whatever you and I do, we better do it as unto the Lord. We better say, we thank God for the grace of God, for the grace of God for our children, this, and the grace of God for our children, this, and the grace of God for my spouse. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, ain't nothing guaranteed. The only thing that's guaranteed is Jesus. And that's what you bank on. The only thing that's guaranteed is Christ. So everything you and I do, we got to do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. We got to exalt Jesus. Jesus must be exalted in every area and facet of our life. He must be exalted in my life as a man of God. He must be exalted in my life as a husband and a father. He must be exalted in my life as a preacher. He must be exalted in your life for whatever God has called you. It got to be Him, ladies and gentlemen. And you and I need to recognize and realize it must become a reality that we are who we are by grace and grace only. Paul was a very successful man before he encountered Jesus. He said, but I count all that stuff as dung. Do you count your degrees as dung? Do you count your talent as dung? Do you count your skill as dung that you might win Jesus? Everything that you have gained in this life, are you willing to count it as rubbish, as nothing, that you may embrace Christ? That's a challenge. He's challenging us tonight. He's challenging our, our thinking, our mentality. He's exposing us. Do I challenge my position on my job more than Christ? Do I, do, does I, do I value my position in church more than I do Christ? Do my wife value being a pastor's wife? More does she do value her relationship with Christ? Do I value being married to Catherine more than I do my relationship with Christ? Do I value my children more than Christ? Do I value myself uh, as a businessman more than I do Christ? It's Christ, ladies and gentlemen, and Christ alone. He's challenging us. 
You can never have dominion over nothing that you have not died to. If you get nothing out of what the Lord has said today, you, can, you cannot exercise dominion over nothing that you're not willing to die to, nothing that you're not willing to give up, and nothing that you have not given up from your heart. Dominion is exercised through the heart. Everything springs from the heart. Faith, everything springs from the heart. What are you willing to release? What have you released? The very thing that God has promised you and prophesied over your life. Let it fall to the ground. Let it die. And watch what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray that the Lord has challenged your thinking today. He's challenged your location today. I want to pray this prayer. I know my time is up, but let me pray this prayer over you. Father, we're so grateful for this radio audience, these men and women of God that you have challenged. Starting with me first, you have challenged me, and you're constantly challenging my thinking, my position, my location, my heart, my mind. You're challenging me. I think for challenging your people. Let us examine ourselves in the light of the word tonight. Let us examine ourselves in the light of the challenge tonight. And, Lord God, if we, we have not, if we've been found liking, grant us repentance that we would change. And, Holy Spirit, help us to renounce and to denounce everything that we are placed as Lord on the throne of our heart. Let it be dethroned tonight by the Spirit of the living God, Father. Forgive us, cleanse us, wash us, and purge us whiter than snow. But bring us to the place that you are gracious, experience biblical transition, Bring us all to the place that we're willing to die for everything in this realm, that we can exercise dominion over this realm, and we can bring the very things, your very creation, we can bring it subject to you, bring it back to its rightful owner, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Father God himself. Grace as all of us experience death to ourselves, death to our marriages, Death as husbands, death as wives, death as parents, that we can experience life as husbands and wives and parents. We love you today, and we thank you for this pre- your precious people today. Let your blessings overtake them on the right and the left hand. And as we depart from this radio station, this broadcast, God, we pray that your presence will continue to abide with your people and abide through these fiber optics and the master key. And those that will come later on, let them come upon the, the grace, the anointing, the presence, the power of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. J. McKenzie with the master key. And I pray tonight will be a great night powerful night. As you lie down to sleep, I pray that your sleep will be sweet. Your dreams and vision will be induced by the Spirit of the living God and arise in the morning in a spirit of expectancy that tomorrow will be the greatest day you ever experience, all the days of your life, and the next day will be even greater than that one. God bless you, ladies and Pray for me as I continue to pray for you. Let's do this thing together. Let's grow together. Let's love the Lord together. Let's flow supernaturally together. God bless you.